Uh, so we'll be in First Samuel uh, 17 tonight, and I'm going to open it up since I kind of have a long uh, intro. Uh, Lord, uh, just be with me tonight. Give me a calmness of mind, Lord. Uh, fill me with the Spirit, Lord, and help me to preach it like you need me to tonight, Lord. As you laid this on my heart, and I need to preach it like you want me to, Lord. And in Jesus' name, amen. 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 <laughs> So a little bit uh, built up before this, so Saul has just been anointed the first king of Israel, uh, and a few chapters ago in uh, 12, uh, he becomes king. Uh, so 1 Samuel 13 kind of tells us that there's going to be a new seed, uh, 1 Samuel 13, 14, uh, but now thy kingdom shall not continue, the Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept which the Lord commanded thee. Yeah. So basically, Saul didn't really always follow God and what he was supposed to. Uh, this time, he built a burnt offering, uh, which is not allowed. That's only the job the priests are supposed to do, and he wouldn't wait for Samuel, so he thought he could go without the priests and find God. And that uh, cost him the kingdom. And then also, First Samuel uh, fifteen thirteen is with uh, like the king of Agag. Uh, so basically, they uh, raid the Amalekites and uh, they decide not to kill everything that they were supposed to. And that's another thing that. And then he also told Samuel that he did what exactly he was supposed to, and that he could use the cattle basically for the Lord, which the God told them to kill the cattle. So that got him and. More trouble, so and so now basically first Samuel 16 is where the start of the process happens. And so now Samuel's out searching for uh, the next king of Israel, and he goes to the house of Jesse, and he so basically all seven got rejected, and there was one child left that was the shepherd boy taking care of the sheep at the time. And so basically uh 1 Samuel 16, 12. Uh, so when Samuel, so when they come get David, uh, Samuel takes a look with uh, God there, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all the beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. So now, now you're seeing the next king of Israel after Saul passes away. And so basically 1 Samuel 16, 12, ruddy uh, is another term for red. So basically, David was a redhead, which there's not really many of those mentioned in the Bible directly. Uh, the only other one that I know of would be Esau. And uh, Esau and David took very both different directions because Esau was kind of, uh, Hebrews 12, I believe, considers him a profane man. Uh, that was what Esau was considered. And uh, David was considered a man after God's own heart, like, yeah. And uh, because that's the man that God was looking for in 1 Samuel uh, 13, that's what he says when there's going to be that new seed, that I'm going to find a man after my own heart. Amen. And so basically, one thing that God showed me there was it does not matter about how you look physically. Yeah. God can, it's really about yes. the inside that matters Amen. the most. Amen. And so later in 1 Samuel 16, uh, Saul's time at King, uh, Israel... Uh, basically, uh, he got an evil spirit from God after uh, the Lord came into David in uh, uh, 1613. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David's 
that day forward. And so David, so Samuel rose up and went through uh, Rahab. And so now, uh, Saul, now the servants of Saul are looking for uh, someone to basically soothe the evil spirit that came upon uh, Saul after this. Because of 15 tells us, well, 14 tells us, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said unto him, Behold now an evil spirit from God troubled thee. And so, First uh, Samuel uh, sixteen seventeen tells us what Saul wants. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. And uh, sixteen eighteen tells us uh, the man that they're going to bring to. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite that is cunning and plain, and a mighty, valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. That's a, that's a lot to take in, because at this time, David was actually just a really young person, and basically they said what he was going to become later in the future, because he wasn't, he wasn't really a man of war at that time yet. He wasn't a famous man of war. He was just a shepherd boy at that time, and this person basically said everything that he was later to become. So basically in 1618, it tells us that David was a really good uh, player on the harp. He, he also, he was, uh, he was, he was going to become a really, uh, a mighty warrior. Uh, he was going to be really wise in matters, prudent in matters. And he was also going to, he was going to be a comely person, so he was going to be favored and goodly. And the, the best part is, the last part, and the Lord is with him. Yeah. That's, that's one thing we also need. Because uh, my title is Blueprint to Defeat a Giant, like David does in 1 Samuel 17. And you have to basically have God with you for you to even be yeah. used. Because if, if you don't have God with you, nothing's going to happen. So if you don't accept Christ as your Savior, that he died for, for your sins on the cross and rose again, you're not going to have God with you and you're not going to be able to defeat the giant. Because the giant's Amen. only overcomable with God. Amen. Because... First Philippians uh, 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen. <laughs> so we have to have God to be able to yes. defeat the giant. That's yes. right. Amen. And also another thing is, David also had a uh, purpose, or God gave, him, God gave him a purpose, and he gives all of us a purpose also. And uh, many... The devil, I think, tells my generation this line. He's probably told many generations before that the devil wants us to basically feel that we're without purpose, we're useless, yeah. we have no meaning in life. But that's really, the Bible tells us all over, that's not really what happened. If you look at different men in the Old Testament, like David, who basically God gave him a purpose, God gave each of us a purpose, and tells us in the New Testament different things, how we're supposed to act, we have this righteous life we're supposed to live. And... Also, another person you can even look at would be uh, Jeremiah. So, in Jeremiah 1.5. So, basically, then uh, Jeremiah 1.4 through 8 or 9, I believe. Uh, then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Yeah. Yes. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee, ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Yes. So basically, we figure out, so basically God already gave him his calling, didn't, probably told him a little bit later, 
I believe, because uh, Jeremiah says, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. So, and then 7 goes on to say, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee deliberately, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Yes. So, basically, so after God gave him what he was supposed to do in his time, uh, five, basically five and six, uh, I mean, six tells us that he's going straight for the excuse. The first thing I feel like a, a lot of people, when they have their different callings, they go straight to the excuse. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the two things, like nine basically tells us that he, uh, Jeremiah, one of his excuses was he didn't have the words, and also he was a child, which uh, I could kind of see that for me because I'm very young, so a lot of people don't always want to hear that because like, I know like different denominations have this belief that you have to actually, you can't be under 18 to preach, you got to actually have had college experience and have all, the, all those degrees to be allowed to preach. Which the Bible doesn't tell us that at all. Amen. So Amen. they're just adding stuff on to what yeah. what their uh, doctrine is, and and so basically, also God told him in verse eight that He was going to deliver him and He was going to be with them during all this time because uh, Jeremiah is not going to be well listened to. Yeah. Most of the people weren't going to listen to him when He told him many times you need to repent. He wasn't. They didn't listen, and so. The other thing is, in 9, we see that uh, he said that he couldn't speak, and so God just touched him and gave him the words to speak, which is what God God can just give you what you need. Even Amen. if you can't don't have it at all, he just right. gives you what you need. Amen. Yes, right. Right. Amen. Amen. And so then also in uh, 1 John, I mean, not 1 John, but uh, John 17, uh, 16 through 20, this is the prayer that uh, Jesus prayed before uh, before he's about to go through the cross. And uh, so the second part of the prayer, he's praying for the future. He's praying for the church to come. And so the first thing he says is, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So since if we believe that Christ is the Savior, we are saved. And we are a part of a different kingdom, like I said last time. That's what he says this again. We, they are not of this world, just like I'm not. So... And he said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So that tells us the Bible is the truth. Right there. And and God wants us to know the truth. Because we're going to easily be deceived. As you can tell, it's very easy to get tricked. And 18, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So basically, so as God sent Christ to go be the sacrifice for our, our sins... Christ has sent us to do His will and spread the spread the gospel, which Amen. is honest. I don't I don't understand why He gave it to us because we we're gonna mess up so many different times. We don't yeah. deserve it at all. Right. But He decided that He was gonna give man the job of spreading the gospel. Amen. And Amen. yeah. And so that was sixteen through eighteen, which I was gonna use right there. <laughs> So basically, to defeat a giant, so we got to have that purpose. We gotta, we gotta make sure we're falling in the will of God. We gotta have that, so that purpose from God that that I talked about. So going now to First Samuel seventeen. 
Oh, I lost my marker, please. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's all off. 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 It's all Ezekha and Esvihah Dami, <laughs> and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. So first, I just like to get the picture. So basically, on one side, you have the Philistines army. The other side, you have the Israel's army. And then you basically, they're both on a mountain. So then you basically have a huge valley down below. So basically, one thing with this battle is you basically cannot, it would give a huge disadvantage. This is the reason why they'll have a Goliath come out and basically challenge a one, basically a 1v1. And whoever wins basically wins the battle because... Both sides knew whoever would go down into the valley would basically be at a disadvantage yeah. because now at the top of the camp you can just throw your archers down and basically just defeat one of the armies. And so basically they both knew that this that is basically just going to become a huge stalemate if nobody chose to fight. And that's what happens. Uh, so after uh, in verse uh, uh, eight, so. Goliath basically stood and cried to the armies of uh, Israel, and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine, ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to fight. I mean, come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. So little did Goliath know that really the Israelites aren't servants of Saul. It just, I mean, it just looked like that because Saul was the king. But really Israel is the God's nation. It's the, basically when he said, I defy the armies of Israel, he was saying, I defy the armies of the living God, yeah, which yeah. isn't going to go well when you say that. Yeah. And also, so, Goliath, uh, in 174, it tells us that uh, Goliath was a champion of the Philistines. Uh, his height was six cubits in a span. Six cubits is believed to be about a foot and a half to, like, I think, like, two feet. But I know, like, foot and a half is the minimum. And so, they, uh, since six times one and a half is so nine feet, a span is nine inches. So, you have nine foot, nine inches, which is the minimum height Goliath could have been. And basically, five, six tells you basically five, six, and seven basically tells you what he has on, and what he's wearing, and everything, how much it weighs, and one thing in seven that I pointed out that pointed out to, that God pointed out to me, and one bearing a shield went before him. So basically, Goliath had a person with a shield going into the going in to shout the first part that he was going to shout as a that eight, nine, and ten. And so Goliath basically had his companion that basically they basically it was a friendship made in sin, or because in this case, 
And uh, later we'll find out that uh, the shield bearer uh, leaves uh, the battle and runs away like the rest of the Philistines do after uh, David will uh, kill the Goliath. And so it's one thing that's really important not to make sinful friends in this because sinful friends are just going to bring you down. It's not. Right. It's going to get you farther away. Amen. And one thing is like basically one thing I think that relates to this is basically. So I know like drunkards and stuff. They hang a lot on the bars, and one decides not to go to the bars no more. They basically lost all their friends. Just like Goliath's going to lose his shield bearer friend. That's going to run away in fear after this happens. And that's basically sinful relationships and sinful friends. They just leave after something either bad happens or you yeah. just stop talking to them. Sure. And so, basically, verses 8 and 10, Goliath is playing an archer role right here. Basically, spiritually, because in verse 11, when Saul and all the Philist- all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So, basically, spiritually speaking... Goliath said some words, got got the armies of Israel right there, and Saul to be afraid. And so, basically, if you look in Ephesians uh, 6.16, which is talking about the armor of God right here, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So right here, Goliath was throwing fiery darts right into Israel. He was right now playing the role of Archer with his words, throwing a bunch of fiery darts to scare them away. And basically, uh, the men of Israel right here didn't have their shield of faith ready, or they would have been able, one of them would have been brave enough to take on the giant. And it wouldn't have taken a man that wasn't even in the battle. He was actually filling in for his uh, shepherd duties. And uh, verse 12, that's uh, 12, 13, basically 15, after... uh, he was done doing, serving Saul for a bit. Uh, but David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. It took, a, it took a shepherd boy that wasn't even in the battle to have faith right there. And so basically, so then we go, after Goliath threw all his darts, and so basically it worked because none of the men had their shield of faith. And so one thing is, don't let the, the darts, when the fiery darts come, from the giant, don't let that discourage you, or don't let it. You gotta, you gotta have that shield of faith ready. You gotta have that belief in God when everything comes right down to discourage you and make you start believing that the giant can defeat. And really, in reality, God was the bigger giant. Amen. God was bigger Amen. than Goliath. Amen. But just yeah. you can't really physically see that. You just see what's around you. So basically, yeah. so God, God is the unseen right there. So you gotta be able to also be able to see the unseen. And see what's really around. And so David comes and feeds his brethren. Verses 12 through 21 tells us that that David was going to... So David basically brought food because they've been gone for 40 days now. Because Goliath's been doing this day and evening. That's what the Bible tells us. And he did that day and evening. No man stepped up for 40 days. So now we have... And so David put all his trust in God, and he showed no fear. Uh, 26 tells us that. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to this man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. David knew this this wasn't an attack on Saul. This was an attack on God. Yeah. That's what David knew. Yeah. And David was the only one, I believe, that actually in that camp that thought that. Because David also David knew that he was gonna be able to win. That he was gonna win because God was gonna be with yeah. him. Yeah. That's right. And so now we have so I'm gonna skip the thirty-three. And Saul said to David, Thou art Art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and a man of war from his youth. So Goliath was basically a man of war from his youth. He was a mighty warrior from basically the Bible says his youth. So at a young age, Goliath's basically been one of the Philistines' best warriors yeah. they have. And so Saul didn't, Saul didn't believe because David was so young at the time that he would actually be able to do it. Saul had his doubts, but David didn't have his doubts. Basically, one thing with this giant is that basically everyone around him doubted that this was a possible situation for David. They, they all thought David was going to get killed. Yeah. And so, in 34, David responds to Saul, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose, against, he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the bear, the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Yes. Seeing he hath yes. have defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear... He will deliver me out of the hand of the, this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. So David remembered his victories. Yeah. David remembered the past victories that God brought him. Yeah, that helps. Yeah. Amen. So David, David remembered those things that God already delivered him on and believed that he could do it again with this Amen. Philistine. Amen. Even though the Philistine looked like the bigger problem, these basically weren't too big for God. And... So, and also another thing is, we got to also praise God and give him the glory for those past victories, like David did right there. David could have easily said, I was the one that slew the lion and the bear, gave God no glory. But he knew that God didn't. And he knew God was going to do it with the Philistine. So, yeah. And so now we go to uh, 39 and 40. And David, uh, and Saul armed David, actually 38, and Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a, a helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a, cost of ma- a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. And, David, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones yes. out of the brook, yeah. and put in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So, David didn't have the, the fancy weapons. David didn't come in to the battle with the, what you would expect. Like So, basically, Goliath had his uh, staff of his spear, and basically, he had a spear ready. And so, it was a spear versus a five smooth rocks and a sling. And so, if you look at those odds, you're, you're going to say that the spear is going to win. That's, that's, what, that's what logic says. That the spear would beat the rocks. Yeah. 
And so basically, God just uses the ordinary. He doesn't use the best of the best weapons. God, basically, all this armor seemed nice, but all we really need in reality is the Lord to win the battle. Amen. God, God just uses, right. God doesn't use the best. He just uses basically the broken. He uses the normal person, the average person. He uses the broken, the ones that want to call upon him for the help. Because if you don't call upon God for the help, you're not getting through. That's right. And so, uh, uh, so verse 38 through, uh, I mean, verse 48 through 51. So, so actually, I want to point out verse 46. It just got to my mind real quick. Actually, 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of yes. hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head, head from me, and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And so David tells wife directly what's going to happen. That he's going to lose because he went against God. (laughs) So now we have verses 48 through 51. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose... And came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in the bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistines in his forehead. Then the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there is no sword in the hand of David. So basically 48 through 50. So 49, if you take a closer look at it. So and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. So basically the rock goes to his forehead. And the stone sunk into his forehead. So basically right there, logic has been defi- uh, Logic didn't really happen right there. So we know the hand of God's in it. So basically, because most times when a stone hits you, it's not going to sink right into the middle of your forehead. It's going to bounce right off usually. And so right there, God put that, that, put that stone right through his forehead. Yes. And then also, he fell upon his face to the earth. So basically, Goliath fell forward. Right. And he didn't fall backward like what would have happened if, if the stone uh, went to his head. So we basically know that God pushed him over. <laughs> That's what God did right there. And And so David right here, David was just the man that God actually used. Because this is all basically uh, supernatural what happened because God's hand was in it. So basically David was just the man that got used because David was the man that believed that God could actually defeat the giant, not David. David didn't defeat this giant at all. He's the man that gets accredited with defeating the giant, yeah. but it wasn't David. It was actually God, because you see it right there. Amen. Amen. And so, in conclusion, so basically, I'm going to go quickly over my blueprint on how to defeat a giant. First, so basically, you got to believe in Christ, So because the Lord has to be with you for this. 
Just like David had the Lord with him, after he got anointed king, it tells us, like I said earlier, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David and was there. And so, next you have to be battling for the purpose of God. You can't be serving a man what man wants you to serve. You can't be serving the Philistines or the worldly causes right here. you got to be serving God's cause right here. And so, if you're doing the purpose of God, the giant comes. So, you basically, you got to keep, you got to pray to God, you got to believe, and you got to believe that he can do it, and and he'll, he'll be able to defeat the giant. So, also another thing is, so when the giant starts throwing out his fiery darts, that giant's going to be throwing fiery darts to discourage you and try to weaken that shield. Or, if you don't have your shield up, just throw the darts right up, and then you're consumed. Just like all the men, all the other men except David were. So, basically, you have that shield ready, and you got the shield of faith, which yeah. that's what Ephesians yeah. 616 talks about. That's the shield of faith. So you got to have that a shield of faith ready. you got to have that faith in God ready when that giant does come. you got to believe that he can actually do it. He can win it. And so then you gotta, so you got to keep believing that God can deliver, even if there's all that doubt around you. Just like basically everyone told David, you're not going to win. You're going to lose. Basically, his brothers were jealous of him. His jealous didn't even think he could do it. Saul didn't think he could do it. Probably all the men in the army of Israel didn't think he could do it. <laughs> they probably would have done it if they thought, oh yeah, they would have thought, because they have probably all thought, oh yeah, this is just some little shepherd boy. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so we got to stay obedient to God during all this time. We got to keep listening to him. And another thing is we got to remember the victories that God already put us through. That's because right. one thing is it will be a lot easier to have that shield of faith if you remember the victories that God's already given you in your life. And you got to keep pursuing just like David did. He kept going. He hasted into the battle. Yeah. So we got to keep pursuing. And then, so, the last part is, it will be in God's time when the giant falls. Yeah. God picked, the, God picked that time right there when Goliath fell. And God chooses the time when the giant, the problem falls down. And right. so God shows right then and there. And he, he does the same. But you got to you got to have that uh, shield of faith ready to withstand the darts. Amen. Amen. And that's my last point tonight. So I'll give it to the master for the altar call. Amen. 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 Amen.